I'm so excited to see so many of you here in the building this weekend and here in the great city of Bologna. If you're joining with us online today and this is your first time, your first time in a long time, either back in the building or online, uh, we just want you to know how happy we are to have you joining with us today. Listen, it's been a phenomenal series as we've been examining this idea and trying hard and deliberately to get us all to embrace the mindset, guys and ladies, that Jesus is indeed greater. And uh, as we as a teaching team been trying to drive this overarching theme home over the last several weeks uh, of how Jesus is greater than any experience, any situation, any circumstance you may be facing right now, uh, today I have the enormous task of talking about how Jesus is greater than our hurt, how Jesus is greater than our hurt. And listen, I told Dave, I was wrestling with this one. I told him at the beginning of the week how I was wrestling with this message because this, this is not an easy topic to deal with online. I mean, you're talking about hurt, pain, suffering, right? This isn't an easy message for me to preach, and it certainly isn't an easy message for you guys to sit and receive because, you know, if we be honest, in order to really deal with this, we got to be willing to confront this. And honestly, for those of y'all in the room and even me, you know, who wants to like tap into that? Some of y'all, I see you right now. You just kind of like, oh man, I picked the wrong service to come to. I'm not, I'm trying to get past my hurt, Pastor Ray. I don't want to stare at it. Man, my wound is still fresh. It's new. My scab is open. My skin is raw right there. The last thing I want you to do is poke it and touch it. I don't want to touch this thing. And listen, if I'm speaking to you right now, whoever you are, wherever you are in the room or, in the, uh, or online, I want you to know that, that, that I feel you. I understand what you're saying. And I just need you to try to hang in there with me uh, today through this. Because what I've learned, everybody, is a true healing doesn't come from us running from our hurt. But true healing happens when we take the hand of Jesus and allow him to walk us through our hurt. Amen? Yeah. So that's what we want to do today. That's what we want to do today. Somebody say hurt. That word hurt, uh, I looked it up in the Collins English Dictionary, and it describes hurt, everybody, is to cause physical pain or injury or to wound, to harm or damage in some way, in some way, to cause mental distress or pain to someone. And everybody, as we kind of look at that definition for a moment, I can imagine everybody in the building or online, uh, everybody uh, can relate uh, to this meaning and definition because most of us, if you're listening to, me, listening to me today online or in the room, you understand what it's like to experience physical pain. And maybe some of you, you've experienced physical pain from a man who once told you he'd always be there for you and never let anything happen to you. Or maybe you've experienced pain from a parent through physical abuse. Or maybe you've experienced pain through a health situation. You're that person that you just have chronic pain due to a health situation. And you're that person that's in this situation where you feel like life will be a whole lot better for you and everyone else if you wasn't around. You're depressed because you can't do things the way you used to. And you just feel like, man, if I could just check out and take myself out of here, it'll be better for me and for everybody else around me. Am I talking to any real people in the room right now? Yeah. 
And I wonder, maybe you in the space and you feel like, you know what, you know what it's like to be damaged goods. In fact, you feel like it's tattooed on your forehead because you ain't quite been right since back in the day you went through that mental and emotional and sexual abuse that you barely survived in the past. And even today, your hurtful, unhealthy experience then is affecting your ability to have healthy relationships now. And that for you is a source of pain. Yeah. Now, you couple all of that with a global pandemic on top of all the other stuff that we've been dealing with, and that hurt that gets coupled on top of that, the hurt of lost employment, the hurt of lost wages, the hurt of a loss of a loved one due to the pandemic that you couldn't even see or say goodbye to because the doggone hospital had restrictions on you being able to even visit your people that are hurting and and dying. My wife and I, we, um, we have a friend in our community back in West Chicago. Uh, we're going to be having dinner with them, her and her husband, next weekend. But this woman lost her father and her mother due to the virus within days of each other. And the worst part about it is that she couldn't even get the chance to say goodbye to them, and they couldn't even get to say goodbye to each other. Just a tragic, tragic experience. You want to talk about hurt. And everybody, uh, if any of this is registering with any of you in the building or online right now, maybe you've experienced hurt to a level so badly that you've laughed out at God, quite honestly. And you kind of been like, where are you, God? Where are you? Man, if you're so good and righteous, why are you allowing me to hurt like this? You tell me in your Bible that you don't give us anything more than we can handle. I felt like you must have forgot about me around that part because this pain is too much. This is too intense. This situation is just unfair. This hurt is unbearable. I can't do this. Has anybody in the room ever been there? Yeah, yeah. I wonder who I'm talking to today online. And the question that we want, we need to get answered for us today is where is God when life hurts? How can I be absolutely certain that God is greater than my hurt? Well, I got a passage of scripture that I want to share with you guys today in Isaiah chapter 40. In Isaiah chapter 40, everybody, uh, the children of Israel, God's people, are literally crying out to God as the Bible prophesies they're in baptism. Babylonian captivity. They're in Babylonian captivity, and they're literally crying out to God. And God responds to their cry in verse 27, and he says, yo! You see it? You see it? See it right there? See the yo? Right there? Yeah. He says, why do you say, O Jacob, and speak, O Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord, and my right is disregarded by my God? Everybody, God's people are crying out to him. In other words, the people were asking him the question that we just were asking earlier. Where you at, God? Where are you? And I, and I wonder if I got anybody in the building or online, you felt like right in the middle of your most hurtful hurt that you're trying to look for God, but God is playing hide and seek with you. And everywhere you look and everywhere you try to find them, you can't seem to find them anywhere. Am I talking to any real people? Right? The Bible was basically said these people were like, my right has been disregarded. By my God, in other words, everybody, they're saying, hey, God, there's no way you see me. There is absolutely no way you see what's going on with my situation, with the situation with my family, or with the situation with my people, and the hate and the mistreatment that we've endured for centuries, God, because if you did, there's no way you would allow me to hurt like this. There's no way you would allow me to suffer 
like this. Listen, I don't know if there's anybody in the building or you're online listening to this and you felt like God has forgotten about you. You feel like God maybe has turned his back on you because quite honestly, the stuff that you're going through right now, you feel like you kind of deserve it in a way because it's self-inflicted. I mean, you were the one who were unfaithful to your spouse. You were the one who committed the crime. You were the one who embezzled from the company. You were the one who chose to run with the wrong people and find yourself in the wrong place at the wrong time. And you're running back to God now. You're saying, Lord, I messed up, but don't you see me? I'm sorry, Jesus, but, but can you still hear me? I know I was wrong, Lord, but please don't leave me or forsake me. And everybody, listen, when we're hurting for whatever reason it may be, sometimes our delivery, you know, when we're hurting, of how we communicate in the pain, isn't always the best, the most polite. I wish I had some married people. They just said amen right there. I said, you know, when you're hurting, sometimes when you're communicating your delivery, of how you communicate through that hurt isn't always the best and most polite. I remember, I remember, I remember for my married people, uh, my wife was pregnant with our fourth child, our little Ramaya. And uh, I had taken our older three to their grandfather's house. We can have a little bit of a long time, you know, because it was any day the baby was coming. And I get back to the house. Now, I told you she was pregnant, but she was pregnant, pregnant. And so I get back thinking I got a few days, you understand? And when I walk through the house, she's leaned up against the wall talking about, I'm like, oh my God, it's coming, right? And you got to understand everybody, the first three kids, I was still playing ball. And so we kind of had it neatly, you know, arranged, CJ, you know, we, we had, you had, the, and you had the schedule and it was, you know, we induced the labor and all that. It was all nice and neat. But this one right here, I was done playing. And she was coming ready or not, you understand? And so I'm running. I load my wife up. We sprint to the hospital. Hey, y'all remember that commercial with the black dude with the cell phone commercial that was trying to save money on his calls? Remember that? He was like, have a holiday from the Hendersons. Have a holiday from the Hendersons. Remember, remember that? So that was me on the phone. I'm like, we're about to have a baby to call you back. We're about to have a baby to call you back, right? And I'm driving, speeding, Jeff, and bro, I'm hitting every bump, every pothole, every speed bump, every curve. You understand? Fellas, not a good idea when your wife in pain. And so I'm rolling, and I'm on a highway. We almost at the hospital, and I nailed this pothole on the expressway. I timed it up perfectly when she was having probably her biggest contraction of the moment. Quick question, do y'all watch horror movies uh, in, do y'all, do y'all, y'all too safe for that, y'all too safe for that? So you know when you watch horror movies and the person that's uh, like got the spirit on them, like their head like turned like all the way around their body, kind of like demonic, kind of like that? Well, can I tell you, when I hit that bump, Nick, a spirit, I didn't say the spirit, a spirit jumped on my wife. Uh, her head was like, and she was like, boy, if you hit another pothole, it's going to be one less person driving to this hospital. Do you understand? It was terrorizing. It's a true story. It's a true story. Ask, ask us. She'll tell you. Yeah. Listen, sometimes our delivery of how we communicate when we're hurting everybody isn't always the best or most polite. Watch this. Even with God, 
See, most of y'all just left me all by myself right there. That's okay. I'm going to preach it anyway. But can I tell somebody, everybody, God's a big boy. He can handle our hard questions and even our hurtful reactions. But let me tell you this. When you come at God with a hurtful reaction, just make sure you're ready when he responds back. Yeah, because let me tell you this. uh, 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 When we're hurting, we tend to react angrily, emotionally, and irrationally. But God, everybody, will always respond to us theologically. He'll always respond theologically. Can I show you? Watch this. The Bible says uh, the people are like, man, my way is hidden. God, you don't hear me. God, man, my rights are being, you know, you know, disregarded. And God's like, bruh, 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 bruh. have you not known? Have you not heard? Can I say this to y'all in the Shatown version of the Bible? Do y'all read the Shatown version of the Bible? Can I get this to you in the Shatown version of the Bible? Basically, God was like, uh, bruh, have y'all forgotten? Who the heck I am, you know, with the George Jefferson walk with him, you know, walking with him. You don't know, you better ask somebody, right? But here's how he comes with him theologically. He reintroduces himself and lists who he is. He says, listen, uh, the Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. Now, I want you to see the theologicalness of, is that, is that a word? I just see a theological. Eric, is that a word, theologicalness? Okay, it's not a, it's not a word. Uh, I want you to see the theology. There we go. I fixed it. And what I'm just saying there, watch the first part. It says, the Lord is the everlasting God. Now, that speaks to his omnipresence. That speaks to his omnipresence. God is omnipresent. That means he's everywhere at the same time. Are y'all seeing this? And then he says to him, he says, the creator of the ends of the earth, he does not faint or grow weary. That speaks to his omnipotence. Yeah, he is the omnipotent God. He is all powerful. Somebody need to get excited. Yeah. And then he says, then he says, his understanding, baby, is unsearchable. That speaks to his omniscience. He is all knowing. Are y'all seeing this today? And so here's what he's saying online. He's saying, listen, uh, I know uh, uh, you freaking out over this hurt and this pain, You know, it's got you messed up. I know it's got you worn out, stressed out, and you think it's going to take you out. You understand? I I, I know you want to throw in a towel and give up because this situation is bigger than you are. But listen, while you're busy staring at who you are, I just want you to never make sure you forget who I am. Yeah, I am maker and creator. I am the almighty God. I am still on the throne, undefeated and greater than any situation, hurt or pain you will ever face. I need somebody to declare Jesus is greater. Yeah. Yeah. He's greater. And everybody, then he gives us the key of how we can get through our hurt, that how he reassures us how he is indeed greater than our pain. Watch this. He says, he says, "Uh, but they that wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. Somebody say, wait. wait. Now, listen, I hope nobody jumps up and runs out of the building or logs me off online because I know in 2021, that's the last thing y'all trying to hear. We ain't trying to wait on nothing. You understand? We hate waiting on stuff in 2021. Waiting at the doctor's office, 20 minutes, what? Right? Waiting at the amusement park on a line. Yeah, let me get that fast pass. You know, let me get that. I need that in my life. Yeah. Oh, you want to see me go from zero to 100 temperature-wise in like less than five seconds? Let me be behind you at a traffic light and the light turn green and we ain't moving because you on your cell phone and I'm waiting for you. 
Oh, just me and Eric got that issue. Just me and him. Come on. I lo- hey, let's go. My poor family. I, I, I have freaked them out so many times with that. Yeah, yeah, just pray for your associate pastor, for real. But we can't stand to wait for nothing these days. But everybody, I need you to understand, everybody that waiting, as Jesus communicates for us to wait, is not an unproductive thing where we're just sitting around doing nothing. This word wait in the Hebrew, the biblical definition of waiting uh, doesn't mean that we're inactive. Somebody say wait. That word wait in the Hebrew is the kava. It is the kava. That word literally means to hope for, uh, to look for, to hope, or to expect. But this is the part that really spoke to me, everybody, for my note takers. Somebody say wait one more time. That word wait literally means to bind together, perhaps, by twisting. To bind together, perhaps, by twisting. Now, now I know we in, in Wisconsin, uh, do y'all wear twists in your hair? Up in Wisconsin, I got one dude right there. Yeah, I can see it. Uh, yeah, it probably caused some of what you, I, I, yeah, yeah, okay. Don't look over there at him. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, okay, maybe this isn't a Wisconsin thing. You know, maybe it's an urban thing, but I wanted to bring you a couple of pictures of what this looks like because everybody, this word, this word wake literally is like um, twisting and tying something together like you would your hair, like a hairstyle. It is the literal twisting and tying together of certain sections of your hair to other sections of your hair so that it is tightly tied together. Now, of course, the opposite is, you know, you blow dry and you straighten your hair, right? But when your hair is bound and twisted together, everybody, it is not easily tossed and turned by the winds and the whims of the world. I wish I had some women to understand when you come out the beauty shop and it's nice and that wind blow, you're like, ah, no, 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 right? This is a picture of this word wait in Hebrew. It's not the picture of us passively doing nothing. God says those who wait or those who twist and tie and entangle and bind up their lives with me, those people, they find brand new strength, you understand? And everybody, could it be that some of us aren't seeing God be greater than our hurts? or any other area of our lives, because many times, uh, where is it at? There, many times, we want God to twist and tie himself around our lives instead of us twisting and tying our lives around him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe that's the issue. Yeah, see, for this type of Christian, everybody, this wasn't a weekend feel-good thing at church, and then I figure out the rest of my week on my own. This isn't that, that's that blow dry, straight hair kind of faith. Now, see, this twisted and tied up and connected type of faith says, I'm going to take what I heard on Sunday and I'm going to apply it to my life on Monday. I'm going to meditate on it some more on Tuesday. I might listen to the message again to to catch what I missed on Wednesday. I might be obedient to what God is calling me to do as a result of what I'm reading and hearing on Thursday. See, this isn't a casual hookup. This is a committed connection every day. I want to be, I need to be tied and bound and connected to you, Jesus. This is making sense. Yeah. And somebody might be wondering, well, Pastor Ray, how do I know? This is good. How do I know that I'm operating in the right spirit when Jesus calls me to wait? Here's how you know. Great question. Glad you asked. You know, because you spend your time praying instead of panicking. I'm going to try this out. You spend your time worshiping instead of worrying balcony. You understand? Yeah, 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 yeah. And so, everybody, and I understand, we get it. The hurt is real. 
The pain can be overwhelming at point to the time to where it literally wants to wrap you up and swallow you whole. But I need you to understand, everybody, uh, that when the hurt of the world tries to wrap us up, we must wrap our world around the word. That's what we got to do. We got to wrap our world around the word. And so, everybody, uh, oh, uh, let me put this in really quickly. Um, it's a really a good idea to get this going before we find ourselves in the storm. See, 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 the problem is, everybody, a lot of folk want to wait until they're in a major storm, until they're experiencing major hurt, and then they want to try to get connected. And sometimes in those moments, it's hard to go to God when you're in it. See, see, watch this. Uh, 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 it's better that we have practice of being connected and walking with God before a crisis so that we know what to do when we find ourselves in a crisis. Is this making sense to some people in the room? And so, everybody, when we're hurting, when the Lord reinforces greatness, his strength, his power by reminding us of who he is, um, he is the everlasting God, omnipresent. He is the creator God, does not grow faint and weary, omnipotent. He is the God who understands. He is, uh, his understanding is unsearchable. He is omniscient. And even though he doesn't promise us what he's going to do specifically in the situations that we find ourselves in, uh, when we're hurting, he does promise us that those who wait on him, that person will get new strength. Somebody say new strength. I like the fact that he says new strength because what that suggests is that he gives us something that we didn't previously have. You understand? New strength to make it to another day. New strength to manage the stress and strain of what's currently in front of me. New strength to fight the good fight of faith. New strength to respond properly to ratchet folks. Do y'all have ratchet people up in uh, Wisconsin? Yeah, yeah. To respond to ratchet folks the Christian way versus the world's way. I wish somebody would get excited about new strength. Yeah, we need some new strength. Yeah. And watch this, everybody. That new strength shows up for us in three ways. Three ways in which God's strength is greater than our hurts. The first thing we need to know, everybody, is that his divine intervention is greater than our hurts. Somebody say intervention. His divine intervention is greater than our hurts. He says those who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. He says they will mount up with wings like eagles. They will mount up with wings like eagles. Now, do you guys know how a baby eaglet learns how to fly? Do y'all know? Where are my Nat Geo people? I got some Nat Geo people in the room. I got a few of you, right? Yeah, that's right. I love it. I love it. That's what they do, right? What the, what the eagle, mother eagle does is she literally nudges the eaglet until she throws the eagle, eaglet out the nest. I got a bunch of parents in the room right now like, that's a great idea. I should have done that 30 years ago. Right? Yeah. Yeah. My wife is getting inspired right now. It's awesome. It's awesome. Right? And so the mother eagle nudges and the baby eagle is like, no, mom. Oh, mom. Right? And the baby eagle, because it can't fly yet, is literally flapping and flailing and falling all at the same time, right? I wonder if I got some people in the room who knows like to flap and fail aimlessly in life. If you're online, you might as well just, just type amen in the chat right there. Yeah, right? But everybody, can I tell you something? While the baby eaglet is flapping and falling, you know what the mama eagle is doing? She's watching and waiting. And right before that eaglet smacks down to the ground, the mama eagle... 
swoops down, catches the eaglet on her back, safely lifts the eaglet back into the safety of the nest. Can I say to somebody in the room today and online, listen, this is the picture of Jesus' divine intervention. See, when you're going through a hurt or a trial or a storm and you go to God in the midst of you falling into despair, what he does is sometimes he'll swoop down and steps in to your situation and gets you out of a mess. And that's when you show up to church at 1030 and you turned up. Like, like we can't even hear Ryan and Josh on the mic. Because you going for it. Because you know if it had not been for the Lord on your side. You don't know where in the world you be. Right? Because Jesus showed up and divinely took you out of your mess. Now, that's the one way that he does. But here's the second way that we, he gives us new strength and he helps us operate in our hurt. The first way is his divine intervention is greater than our hurts. But secondly, he shows us that his divine inspiration is greater than I heard. Somebody say inspiration. inspiration. Yeah, he says, as we wait on the Lord, he gives us new strength. We'll model from wings like eagles. He's, he says, we will run and not be weary. Run and not be weary. All my runners at the 1030 service, where you at? Raise your hand. You're a runner. You're, my son is raising his hand. And it's so funny because my daughter's sitting right next to him. You know how when people bust you out, when you raise your hand, they can't be like. <laughs> My daughter just like, bro, you be running to the fridge. You be running to the fridge. That's, that's all you do, you know, you know. Why am I busting my family out at the 1030 service? I love them so much. Yeah, all my runners. Let me get back to preaching Jesus. Uh, when we're running, you can testify if you're a runner. It's a lot harder to run, like in place on a treadmill or even on a track, like in a circle, when you don't have some type of visual point of emphasis to focus on. Am, am, I, am I in the house? Right, right, right. And so, so when you're running, sometimes, you know, after a while, and you don't have that visual kind of finish line or where we ending, automatically your head begins to kind of go down, and you just kind of trudging through. And it's amazing how your mind starts to talk to you at like mile one and a half, for some of us, for some of us, like mile 0.3, <laughs> and your body begins to tell you how tired you're getting and how bad your body is hurting. Everybody, when I'm doing my cardio at the house, I like to cut the game on that I missed the night before. I rarely get to watch anything in real time. All of my stuff is tape delayed, right? I'm so busy these days. And so I'm happy that I got something on the screen that I can focus on. And it's amazing, everybody, when I keep my head up and focus on the screen, it's amazing, everybody, how, longer, how much longer I can go, how much farther I can run, how I seem to catch my second wind. And everybody, Jesus is saying to somebody today, uh, you know, I may not swoop down and take you out of it, but as long as you don't drop your head and stare at how long you've been hurting, how much long you got to endure. But you keep your eyes up, focused on Jesus, the author and the finisher of your faith. It's amazing how when your focus changes, your endurance changes. When your focus changes, your inspiration changes. And it's amazing how he gives you your second win. He allows you to run longer. He allows you to finish and get through the pain to that destined finish line that you've been seeking. And everybody, can I tell you, there is not a better picture of what this looks like than Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. 
when Jesus was in the garden, right before he was about to experience immense pain, immense hurt, persecution, and crucifixion, Jesus gives us a picture of what we do when we're going through that level of pain and hurt. He ran to the Father, just like we just worship. Run to the Father, right? He ran to the Father. And in prayer in Luke chapter 22, he says, Father, if you're willing, please take this cup of suffering away from me. Yet, somebody say yet. I want your will to be done, not mine. Now watch this, y'all. Then an angel from heaven appeared and strengthened him. Somebody say new strength. You see it? You see it? Gave him new strength, right? Everybody, can I tell you, uh, sometimes God doesn't take us out of our hurt. But he'll give us new strength to run through our hurt when we wait on him, when we bind and tie up our life to his. And everybody, that's exactly what Jesus did. His focus changed, and that gave him the strength that he needed to endure the cross and finish the race that God had for him to run to the point to where he uttered those last final famous three words. Come on. It is and you say, Ray, that sounds good, but how do we know that for sure? Can I show you in the, in the, in the uh, Hebrews chapter 12? Look at what it says. It says, therefore, since we're surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. And then it says, let us run with endurance. Say run with endurance. That's what we're talking about, right? The race God has set before us. Now, how do we do it? Well, we do it by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who inspires and initiates and perfects our faith. Here it is right here. Because of the joy awaiting him when he went to the garden, he said, Father, I don't know. This is about to get real. But he says when he got strengthened again, he was able to see what was awaiting him. And because he was able to see what was awaiting him, watch this. The Bible says he endured the cross. You see in this, disregarding its shame. Here's the best part. Isn't it good to know that Jesus went to the grave for us, but it didn't stay dead. God raised him to life on the third day. Now, where is he at? He's seated in the place of honor besides God's throne. That's good news for somebody in the building today to know that he rose again with all power in his hands for you and for I. And everybody, can I say to you, hey, sometimes Jesus will take you straight out of your situation. Sometimes he doesn't take you out but it gives you the ability to run through. But then there's a final way that he renews our strength. And here it is, everybody. Uh, His divine transformation is greater than our hurts. Somebody say his transformation. They will mount up with wings of eagles. They will run and not grow weary. Here's the last part. They will walk and not faint. They will walk and not faint. Everybody, I'd love to stand here today and tell you that if you live right, and you serve God, and you come to church, and you're faithful, and you're giving financially to him in the church, that every prayer you pray, every request you make of God, it will do and happen exactly like you want it to happen. But everybody, that's just not accurate, and quite honestly, it's not even biblical. Yeah. As a matter of fact, there are several examples in Scripture God gives us to show us that he doesn't always answer our prayers exactly the way we want them to. Remember David in the Bible when he sinned with Bathsheba? Had her husband killed, took her as his own. He screwed up big time. But, say but, 
He was confronted with his sin. He prayed for forgiveness for his sin. He tried to right his sin by taking that woman in to be his wife. And then he prayed and fasted for the baby. He was like, God, please don't take the baby on account of my sin. I'm the one guilty. The baby is innocent. But can I tell you, the Bible says, God says, yeah, well, I got a better plan. And the baby died at birth, stillborn. Uh, Y'all remember Paul in the Bible? Saul, who became Paul, wrote most of the New Testament. You remember Paul had an agonizing thorn in his flesh. And the Bible says he prayed not once, not twice, but three times, God, if you would, please take this thorn away from me. It is agonizing. It is excruciating. I can't stand it. I can't do this. And God was like, listen, Paul, my grace is sufficient for you. He didn't answer Paul's prayer like he wanted him to. Even Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, we just read about it. He went to God and said, Father, man, I know what the plan was before I was born. But uh, woo, if we could do something else, right, I'm with that. And can I tell you, I got to remind you, if you study uh, the Gospels like Eric was talking about earlier, not once, not twice, three times. He prayed that to the Father. But he said, you know, nevertheless, not my will, but that will be done. I need you to understand, everybody, before you leave today, sometimes God doesn't deliver us the way we want to be delivered. Sometimes God doesn't answer us the way we want him to answer us. Sometimes he doesn't take the pain away. You lose the promotion, you lose the job, you lose the house, your spouse or parent or loved one, they die. And by his sovereign will, he allows it to be so. And quite honestly, you in a season of your life right now where you can't run anymore. All you can do is walk. That's all you got. Your get up and go has gotten up and went and all you can do is day by day, is step by step for you. And everybody, this is important because, see, in a world that we live in today where we are so accustomed to instant gratification and instant fast results when it comes to our faith and things not turning out the way we want them to turn out, the danger is that if stuff ain't happening the way I want it to happen, I will run and walk away from God. We lose our faith and we doubt his existence. But we got to remember, everybody, that he is the king, not us. And I'm not talking about Burger King where you get to have it your way. Yeah. No, God is God, everybody, when things are going good. And ladies and gentlemen of the jury, he has to be God even when your world is falling apart. And we got to know, everybody, in those moments, the nature of who he is and trust the sovereignty of what he is doing even when it hurts and even when we don't understand it. Paul understood this, and that's why he wrote in Romans chapter 8, and I'm finishing with this. He says, and we know, somebody say no. no. That means that we are certain. We're not guessing. We don't think. We absolutely know that God causes everything. Somebody say everything. everything. That means the good things. That means the bad things. That means the stuff I want to happen and when all hell is breaking loose in my life. That means that when everything good is happening and the sun is shining, And when it's just dark, God calls everything to work together for the good of those who love God and who are the called according to his purposes for them. 
And so maybe you in this season of life, you're in a building, you're online right now, and all you're doing is you're walking. You are literally like, Lord, all I got is you just give me this day, my daily bread, because that's all I got. Can I tell you something? God's like, good. Because even right there, I am with you in the midst of you walking. In other words, everybody, when we talk about his transformation, his divine transformation, he doesn't transform your situation. He transforms you in the middle of your situation as long as you just keep walking. And though some days are better than others, everybody, you don't stop walking. And when we stay connected to Jesus and we just keep walking, though our hurt and our heartache doesn't change, it's amazing how we are transformed and changed as long as we stay connected and bound up to him. And can I tell you something else? It's not just you that's transformed. Yeah, you're transformed. But isn't it amazing how as we continue to walk with God and he's transforming us in the middle? Y'all do know, I tell my family all the time, you know we on stage, right? And not just a physical stage, but as Christians, we are on stage for the whole world to see how we're going to respond or react to what's happening in our lives. And the mere fact that when you're going through hell and you can just keep walking, you preach to people because they seeing that and they're like, how in the world is they, are they still on their feet? If that was me, I'd have been out for the count. But it puts us in position to say, well, I'm just waiting <laughs> on the Lord. Yeah, yeah. And as I wait on him, it's amazing how he renews my strength. Yeah, yeah. He allows me to walk and not faint. You see that? So everybody, as I get ready to leave you today, I want to encourage us all to continue to wait on the Lord. And, and it's amazing how when we bind and wrap our lives around him, he shows us through his divine intervention his divine inspiration, his divine transformation. He is able and is greater than any hurt, any pain that we will ever go through, and he still gets glory through our lives. Amen? Online and in the building, will you pray with me right now, Father? Not easy to talk about this, but God, I'm grateful that whatever and what and whatever situation we're in, Wherever we may find ourselves, you got a word for us that helps us navigate where we are, what we're going through, but most importantly, allows us to identify who you are in the middle of it. God, you're good. You're faithful. You're omnipotent, omnipresent, all-knowing, omniscient God. And Father, I pray that you help us all wait on you, literally to bind and wrap our lives around you. When we do that, Father God, you give us the strength we need to work through any situation, any hurt that we may be facing. You show yourself that you are indeed greater. And that's what we need right now for our situation. So we cling to you and we wait on you. In Jesus' name we pray. Thank you so much for listening to the Central Wired Podcast. Be sure to stay connected with us at centralwire.com and have a great week.